Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game, and occasionally a 7800 game, and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode number 302. Thanks for listening. I feel like 302, other than, you know, marking a lot of episodes of this dumb show, I, I feel like the number, aside from podcasting, is significant somehow. Like, uh, uh, spoiler the answer to life, the universe, and everything is 42. In comedy, uh, the rule of three dictates what's funny. I don't know why I think, as I'm sitting here, 302 has some significance. You know, 98.6 indicates uh, normal body temperature, although when you get your temperature taken, like a doctor's office or something, if you're within like 18 degrees of that, I'm exaggerating a little, but you know, up or down, you're fine, evidently. So I don't know, 302 maybe doesn't mean anything. Maybe it does. If you guys have opinions about the number 302, uh, you know, hit me up with them. I, I'm open to anything. Uh, how's everybody doing? It is lovely here. It is, you know, approaching as I'm recording this St. Patrick's Day. Going to get my St. Patty on. Uh, I don't know. I'm not Irish. When I was young and single and uh, had disposable income, St. Patrick's Day, of course, was a uh, convenient excuse to go out and drink. Uh, I'm older now. Uh, I don't have any money, and I have kids, and uh, really, I shouldn't take them to the bar to drink. Uh, and also, I'm not Irish. So, uh, those of you who are, I hope you celebrated St. Patrick's Day responsibly. Those of you who are, who are not, I really hope you didn't embarrass yourself too much with, uh, you know, the wearing of the green and all that, because uh, it's just silly. All right. We got a fair amount of uh, feedback and uh, listener activity this week to talk about, which makes me very happy. We'll start off with our buddy Sean. Hi Sean. Commented to me recently. I guess yeah, I guess this was over on the Patreon. He uh, left this comment. Uh, oh, that's right. He was uh, uh, wanting it known. If you remember last episode, I played a voicemail from a, a caller uh, and listener talking about Ball Blazer, and I felt bad because I couldn't give that person proper credit because they didn't leave their name. So Sean was helpful enough to send me a message on the Patreon saying, I think we can safely el- eliminate me, Jimmy G. Uh, he and Sean, of course, being co-hosts of um, Pie Factory Podcast. Uh, the no-swear gamer, Ferg, and the Fulton Brothers as the mystery caller. I assume he, well, obviously I know why he's ruling himself out. I assume he's ruling the other guys out because he recognizes their voice, uh, voices from their own shows, and uh, it was not any of them. Is there a reason you didn't just use your Atari 2600 controller to play Ball Blazer? Oh yeah, that was the uh, embarrassment from the last episode. I was whining because the 7800 controller, any game controllers, uh, I've reached an age, uh, I I don't yet, but I'm certain when I'm an old man I'm going to have really bad arthritis, because I've already reached an age where holding the controller for any of these games or systems uh, for any length of time uh, makes my hands hurt. So uh, the, the 7800 controller in particular... I find uh, really uncomfortable. So Sean is calling me out, and he's like, well, dumbass. Okay, he didn't say dumbass, but, you know, he's asked, why I, I just didn't use the jo- uh, 2600 joystick? You probably would have had a much better experience, he says. Uh, you're right, I would have, but I'm not that smart. So I didn't uh, I didn't do that. I should have. Um, I do need to give Ball Blazer another chance. I, uh, maybe I wasn't having it that day. I just... It, I ended up being underwhelmed 
by a game that so many people love, so I need to give it another chance. Using the 2600 controller wouldn't have helped me with this uh, episode's game, but we'll get to that in a minute. So thanks, Sean, for that. As it happens, the mystery is solved. The mystery caller has outed himself. As it happens, the mystery has been solved. The mystery caller, mystery voicemailer, has outed himself. You may have seen this if you follow the uh, Atari Bytes Twitter account, which you should if you're not. Kim Slauson at Ox Coffee on Twitter reached out one day to tell me, Hey Bill, I'm the guy that called the hotline and left you a message. Sorry I didn't say my name. That's okay, Kim. I, if uh, I was anybody other than me, I wouldn't want to be associated with the show either. So that's totally understandable. Thank you for uh, letting me know who you are, because uh, you know, I'm a suspicious person by nature, and when I get strangers saying nice things to me, uh, I, get, uh, I get worried, because um, I'm just that messed up. So uh, thanks for your comments. Thanks for calling again. Please, in the future, uh, call some more and always say your name. That goes for anybody, by the way. And, uh, uh, yeah, thanks. Oh, also, I'm looking at his uh, Twitter bio. He has outed himself also as Batman, so that's nice to know. Alright, what else? We got a voicemail from our buddy Jeff Fulton, but that is about uh, Super Huey, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, so I think I'm going to save that one for later in the show. He also has some comments about how stupid I am in my failure to properly play Ball Blazer. Uh, I'll go ahead and uh, save all of that for later, because that'll be fun. Um, let's see. I, I don't know. Has anything else happened since I talked to you guys last? Oh, yeah. Someone bought me an Atari 5200. Let me find the message here. You would think I would have all this stuff organized before I actually started recording, but uh, even after 302 episodes, uh, I don't. So... As you know, uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while and you don't, you know, you know, space off during most of the show, which if you do, I wouldn't blame you, but I have periodically uh, whined about how a while ago, gosh, was it 2020? Might have been 2020. I found an Atari 5200 on eBay, which claimed to be a working system with controllers and everything. So I, I bought it because I already had the 7800. And the 2600, of course. And I've never played anything on the 5200. And I thought I should have the, you know, the complete set. So I found one. The price seemed to be reasonable. Uh, it, it purported to be working. Of course, I'm always, as with anything on eBay, I'm always suspicious of that kind of claim. But I read everything and in the description. And I kind of looked at the photos and stuff. And thought, yeah, okay, it looks, probably looks okay. So I got it. And it was technically working. It would turn on and the screen would come on, except it was black and white and the the power, I don't know what to call it, the little power pack thing. Uh, you had to hold it just right to get that picture to come on and it occasionally would spark a little bit, which is disturbing. So I, I did a little research and I thought I found, and the controller were kind of hinky too. And uh, so I, I did a little research, found the parts I thought that I would probably need and uh, laid everything out and looked at it and thought, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. So everything just kind of sat in a box. And occasionally on the podcast, I'll whine about all of this. You guys have all heard this story before. Um, and I did that fairly recently, uh, my whining, about that specifically. General whining, of course, too. So Patreon supporter and my new best friend, Jose Cazada, 
sent me a message early in March, and he said, Hello, Bill. Hope you and your family are all doing well. I bought an Atari 5200 I want to send to you. I was hoping to find a two-port model, but unfortunately it's a four-port one. It works perfectly, though. I know you said you got one. He was anticipating my objection here. I know you said you got one, but it doesn't work, so I've been searching uh, Craigslist, Craigslist and OfferUp. I don't know about OfferUp. I know about Craigslist. Interesting. And finally found one to give you. Let me know where I can send it to, please. That's an, an incredibly generous offer. I, of course, tried to talk him out of it, but he basically wasn't having that. So I said, okay. Uh, so not only did he send me a 5200 console, he sent me controllers. I don't have the box in front of me. Uh, several games, and I, I should have I grabbed the box. Uh, Kangaroo, Pac-Man. Oh, uh, gosh, and a couple others. I apologize, Jose. I should have set that in front of me, but it's in a whole other part of the house right now. I'm probably going to do some sort of, hey, I'm playing with my new 5200 video, or the first time I do a 5200 game on the show. I'll, I'll dig into that more. So he, he sent me all of the stuff, you know, paid for the priority mail, bought the insurance. I don't know what he paid for the console and the games. I don't want to know what he paid for the console and the games, because I know how much he's in just for shipping it. I am beyond stunned by this. I am thrilled, of course. I feel bad because of, as of this recording, I have not had a chance to actually do anything with it. It's been a very crazy week. This coming week isn't looking much less crazy, but I'm hoping to get it uh, uh, get it out and play with it. Like I said, I will do something, uh, maybe a little bonus video or or uh, at least when I do the first game on the show, I will talk more about it. But it's beyond generous. Uh, so, you know, I don't, and I'm sure most podcasters don't expect listeners to send us stuff. It's really nice, of course. Uh, when Jose sent a nice note, too, uh, explaining why he uh, did this, uh, I was touched by that. It's nice to be appreciated for this dumb thing that I do every other week. Most of us, a lot of you listening are podcasters. We're not doing it because we're getting wealthy off of this. We're not the big corporate bazillion subscriber podcast. We don't have the big uh, podcasts that pull in huge advertisers like McDonald's or whoever. We don't have huge budgets. Most of the time we have no budget. Uh, We just have a microphone and a computer and uh, diarrhea of the mouth. And we're fortunate enough that people actually tune in once in a while. So short of sending Atari consoles to people... What you guys can do is tell your friends to listen to the show, rate uh, rate and review the show wherever you get podcasts, certainly Apple Podcasts, uh, for sure. They're, they're a big player in podcasting, but wherever you get podcasts, there is surely an option for you to leave a, a rating and a review. Uh, do that. And, of course, if you can, you're not necessarily a, a business uh, who wants to be a sponsor and do an ad, but if you can kick in couple dollars over on the Patreon, that all goes to help pay for computer equipment, recording equipment, and you know, replacing equipment and stuff. So, you know, I'm not just talking about this podcast, any podcast that you listen to, anything that you can do, even if it's not money, anything you can do to help support the show and get more listeners uh, is appreciated. I certainly could do a better job myself of rating and reviewing the podcast I like to listen to, and I think we all could. So, Jose... Uh, thanks again. I've already thanked you numerous times through uh, email, and now I'm thanking you again, and I'm sure I will more in the future. All right. Well, this episode, though, 
we are jumping ahead to the next generation after the 5200 to play another 7800 game called Super Huey. The version we're playing, of course, is for the Atari, and that version, uh, I believe, was released in 1988. The full name of the game, actually, if you look at the manual, is Super Huey UH-IX. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't getting big-time Airwolf vibes off of this uh, manual and off of this game. Airwolf, of course, being the 1980s Jan Michael Vincent uh, helicopter adventure show with uh, the late, great Ernest Borgnine uh, as his buddy Dominic. I've mentioned many times that I listened to uh, Champa and Klein, the Airwolf Years podcast, where they do an episode-by-episode breakdown of that show and uh, talked about many, many, many other things. Go check out that show. Here, free plug for you, Dave uh, and Greg. So, getting big airwolf vibes off of this game. One thing I noticed as I was flipping through the manual, maybe this is in every manual, I don't know, but I never noticed it before if it is. There's a disclaimer on the copyright page that says, Every effort has been made to ensure the accuracy of the product documentation in this manual. However, because Atari Corporation is constantly improving and updating its computer hardware and software, it is unable to guarantee the accuracy of printed material after the date of publication and disclaims liability for changes, errors, or omissions. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if there's a whole lot of factual information in this game that they need to worry about updating. But, uh, I guess, well, I guess we'll get there. But there is a page where they talked about how helicopters work. Maybe they're worried. Maybe their lawyers were worried. Well, you know, between the time this manual goes out, is printed, is and it's in the stores, uh, they could have made some major advancements in helicopter technology or something. Anyway, uh, maybe it's always there. I, I just never paid attention to it before. There's a table of contents. That's not a good sign. If a manual is long enough that it needs a table of contents, uh, you can ensure that uh, you can be sure that I'm going to get bored. We're already in trouble, frankly, because this is a helicopter simulator, and I am not. I, I am on record as not being a fan. Uh, not because I think there's anything wrong with them, because I just personally am not a fan of uh, flight simulators. But we'll do what we can do. Introduction: Calling all copter pilots, Super Huey. That's what they're calling the experimental UH-1XA helicopter. You've been ordered to test. Not that you're complaining, this baby sports a super strong lightweight engine and state-of-the-art control panel. From the moment you slide in, slid into the streamlined cockpit, you knew the two of you could make sweet music together. So, you start the game by putting the cartridge into the console, turn on your TV, because you're not going to get very far if you don't turn on the TV, press select, or move the directional control on your controller until the game mode you want appears. Arcade mode, flight school, or reality mode. To see a demo, wait a few moments. Press controller button or reset to begin the game in your selected mode. So you're playing, it's a flight, simula- a flight simulator, right? So you're sitting in the cockpit, your view is from the cockpit through the, the window of the helicopter. There's a, an extensive instrument panel. Here, I'm holding it up. Can you guys see in the back? What? Stop watching Airwolf and pay attention to what I'm telling you. Yeah, I, I know Dominic is funny. You can watch it later. All right. So... The readouts on the instrument panel include ammo, kills, a radar screen, gun showing uh, that it's active, that it's turned on, uh, same indicator for missiles, uh, missile bays 1, 2, 3, and 4. In the field report, I mistakenly re- uh, looked at that readout and said, oh, I have 1,234 missiles. No, no, I don't. Uh, that's The numbers refer to the missile bays. Uh, there's a viewing window, right? 
that you look out of, the crosshairs. Um, when the crosshairs are over an enemy target, uh, they turn red, and you can shoot your target. More on that later. Uh, your fuel gauge, your rotor pitch gauge, PCH. The rise indicator, the rise meter shows how fast you're gaining or losing altitude. EN is for engine RPM. ROT, rotor RPM. The COM, compass heading in degrees. HOR, artificial horizon indicator, which shows if the Huey is headed up or down or taking or banking left or right. A readout called on board, which shows computer display commands and options to the pilot. Press the right fire button to turn the onboard computer on or off. I'm not sure why you would want to turn it off. Push the controller forward or pull it backwards to show in sequence each of the seven those commands being power off, power on, abort mission, map mode, radar mode, mode, that's one thing, machine guns off, machine guns on, load and arm missiles or disarm missiles, and the set auto altimeter. Uh, the altimeter being another readout on your control panel. So the modes are uh, starting with arcade mode, shooting at the enemy aircraft and trying to avoid getting shot. You have unlimited weapons, you're already in the air, you don't have to worry about trying to take off. You just have to maneuver and shoot. Demo of arcade mode, uh, once you turn on the game, if you just wait a few moments and don't do anything. Uh, move the directional control to maneuver up, down, left, and right. Shoot targets. Keep your eye on the radar screen. The moving blips show how close you are to the targets. When it's centered and in the crosshairs. Flight school uh, mode uh, is where you learn how to actually take off in the helicopter. And land, of course, because if you take off, you got to know how to land. I haven't been to flight school, and even I know that. While in flight school, you're flying in friendly territory, territory, so you won't have to worry about enemy attacks, and you don't carry weapons. The onboard computer screen displays commands and command options that guide you every step of the way. Commands appear brighter than options. Once a command appears, select its option mode by pressing the right controller button. Only you will know how you did, and you're on the honor system to learn the Huey inside and out. The manual goes into detail about how to take off. Guys probably should read that because the game will be very short if you don't take off. And there's also a section on landing too, which as I said, um, you kind of have to know. There's also a reality mode where your mission is to bomb the enemy base and return to home base. You're on your own in reality mode. Unlike flight school, the onboard computer screen doesn't prompt you. Remember, remember all those skills you learned in flight school? You'll need every one of them and maybe more. Tip, use the map mode option to find the enemy base. You're in combat against an unidentified enemy helicopter force. The force changes their field of operations often, so no heading from the base is safe. You have to load and arm missiles. Uh, your defense defense weapons are your defense weapons are missiles and machine guns, which are fixed mounted and aimed straight ahead. While machine gun fire is extremely accurate, the missiles are heat seekers that arm in flight. As long as the onboard computer display is locked on, when you fire the missiles, they will strike their target. The manual also has a section on specs and concepts of operation. The Super Huey was designed to conform to military specifications and to operate according to standard helicopter theories and principles. The following specs and theory of op will help you, the serious helicopter pilot, to better understand this remarkable aircraft. Warning, the following is... Uh, is highly classified information. Do not leak this information to other personnel unless directed to do so by the base commander. Violators will be severely reprimanded. And then they give you a bunch of specs. Uh, helicopter is a military classified helicopter that employs the latest electronic instruments and stabilization systems. Hmm, just like Airwolf. Told you I was thinking about Airwolf. 
And they go through a whole list of things. Engine, transmission, rotor assembly, fuselage, cockpit, weapon systems. There's an, then the next page you have the concept of operations, which basically tells you how a helicopter works. Right? You've got the uh, rotor on the top of the helicopter that helps it uh, you know, lift up, basically. And then you've got the tail rotor, uh, which helps keep it stable. And the two of them work together by spinning in opposite directions to keep the helicopter from crashing. There's a strategy section. To hit your target, you must anticipate the enemy's flight path. And the last page of the manual is, well, just a last page with nothing on it, except the Atari logo and an address. And that is how you play Super Huey for the 7800 from Atari. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. So, like I said earlier, Jeff Fulton, uh, hi Jeff, reached out uh, with some thoughts about my performance with Ball Blazer and Super Huey. So here's what he said. Hey, Bill. This is Jeff from the Into the Vertical Blank podcast. Um, as soon as I called you, the cat started meowing for food, but luckily your introduction was so long that I was able to feed him while um, uh, I waited. So Super Huey for the Atari 7800. Um, in the last episode about uh, Ball Blazer for the 7800, which of course has fantastic music if you have a pokey chip in your 7800, I mean, in your uh, cart. Um, maybe yours doesn't, or it could be loose. Um, you mentioned Super Huey, and I wanted to call because it's interesting, Super Huey, I played it on the Atari 800 and the Atari ST, and I never ha originally had it for the 7800, and I hate it on the Atari 800. And I hate it on the Atari ST. I figured, yeah, that's going to be you know an unopened sealed box that I'm never going to open. But I happened to get a loose cart, and I put it in and tried the arcade mode. And I thought I was like, wow, this this is kind of fun. I mean, there's not a lot to it. You just shoot a bunch of stuff until you get shot down in the arcade mode. Then I found the instructions online and read them a little bit and found out that the uh, the campaign mode, I think it's called, is pretty deep. I mean, it's not hugely deep. You have to go on a mission, and there's a lot of controls, and it's pretty good. So I'm going to say that Super Huey is actually worth opening the sealed box and playing because you need the instructions to read and play the campaign mode. It's not going to blow anyone away who's played like a real flight simulator or anything like that, but it's got great graphics, it's got pretty good sound, and it's kind of fun. And uh, much, much better than I thought it was going to be. Okay, Bill, until next time, into the vertical blank. Oh, and also I do know that on the commercial you play uh, that I made for you, 
I do describe the podcast wrong, and it's been going on for like three years now, so I need to send you a new version. You can put this all in the episode, or you can cut it up into sound bites. But anyway, oh, and you're, I got to get your new book, so uh, I'm going to get your new book and, and take a listen. I want to say the pun-filled close story that had to go with Ball Blazer was fantastic. Talk to you Bill. Oh, I'm leaving all this in, Jeff. Don't you worry. I use everything on this podcast. Thanks for insulting my voicemail introduction. Appreciate that. Just kidding. Uh, I haven't listened to it lately. It is, I, I do recall it is kind of long, but I've got two shows. It's the same hotline from my other podcast. So that's how it is, I guess. The Ball Blazer stuff, you and some other people on Twitter reached out to uh, speculate maybe there was an issue with the pokey chip in my cartridge or something. It may have led to my my less enthusiastic response to the game than, than I expected. Super Huey, you know, there's always an issue when you happen to get a game, you know, sealed in a box. Do you open the box or not? So I think your approach was good to hold out and, uh, and wait till you got a loose cart. It's a good way to go. Spoiler from my review here, I agree with you. It's not the greatest flight simulator ever. E- even with my limited flight simulator experience, yeah, this one wouldn't blow anybody away. Although maybe it did in 1988. The commercial which people will hear later in the episode. Uh, I, I'm not sure what specifically you're referring to. I think there's something in there where you say, uh, so check out Bill and his wonderful podcasts of the game within a game, something like that. Or wonderful stories of the game within a game, something to that effect. Uh, and yeah, that's not exactly what we're doing here. The stories usually have very little, if anything, to do with the game. Thanks again, Jeff. Tell your cat I said hi. So, Super Huey UHIX began its life as a uh, flight simulator for Kasami, or by Kasami Corporation, originally for the Commodore 64 and 85, then later the Amiga, Apple II, Atari ST, Atari 8-bit family, and MS-DOS. Oh, I remember MS-DOS functioning equipment, whatever. Such a quaint time, but seems so cool and frustrating even then. Anyway. So Atari uh, put out its version for the 7800 in 88, I believe. M. Evan Brooks in Computer Gaming World said that, uh, quote, for those desiring an 8-bit helicopter flight simulator, Super Huey and its sequels filled the bill. Brooks, all you're really saying is that if you're desiring a flight simulator, well, here's one. Uh, But then he does say, for those desiring excitement as well, it would pay dividends to look elsewhere. Ouch. Burn. FreezeNet wrote in 2018 that arcade mode was the most playable. In reality mode, you have to fumble through the controller controls in order to get that bird off the ground before starting the level. If you get off the ground, hats off to you because I couldn't for the life of me figure out what to do after you turn the engine on. The third and final mode is the flight school mode where you get told what to do to get the helicopter off the ground. I ended up getting stuck on the same stage of takeoff because getting the engine to a good RPM was a task I couldn't track. And then he goes on to talk about the arcade mode. The great news is the fact that you have effectively that you effectively get unlimited ammo. The bad news is that it is all about timing. Bullets gradually replenish themselves one bullet at a time. What helps a lot are the missiles. After a few well-placed shots, you find yourself plunging back to the ground and dying. The dream game gradually becomes more and more difficult. It might help in avoiding getting hit, but beyond that, movement is really an afterthought. It's possible to move around by pushing the nose down or up, but you don't move that quickly. The game devolves into a turret gunner game more than a helicopter simulation game. The game just really repetitive. The game is either excessively difficult to understand or boring and repetitive, depending on what mode you want to play. 
graphics are hit and miss, the music is average, there really isn't much to enjoy in this game. The video game critic in 1999 gave the game uh, gave this game an F. Actually, this might be the first one we've done where I've referenced a video game critic review where they gave it an F. An outdated first-person air combat game that's frustrating and tedious. Arcade mode is pure dogfighting action, but it's not very challenging. Flight school is confusing tutorial uh, with skills that you need in order to tackle reality mode, which combines flight simulation with air combat. Due to the limited number of buttons, the menu interface used to control the aircraft instruments is very complicated. The original game used a keyboard, which makes more sense to me, actually, now that I read that. It takes a lot of effort to get off the ground. Once you're airborne, your cockpit depicts the horizon and small buildings on the ground. Maneuvering is difficult and confusing. Shooting is easy by comparison. Let's put a pin in that. Overall, superhero is too much work and not enough fun. Which leads me to my next thought about this game. Maybe Super Huey would be more fun if the Huey part didn't refer to helicopters. What do you mean, Bill? Well, out of curiosity, I poked around on the internet, which is a dangerous thing to do, but I did, and I found that Huey, H-U-E-Y, doesn't always mean helicopter. Some of the definitions Huey has had over the years could lead to very different games indeed. For example, the freedictionary.com says that uh, Huey, as in hang a Huey, means to make a U-turn. It also means, in the phrase, talk to Huey, to vomit profusely. Huey is likely intended to be uh, imitative of the sound of someone retching. Here's an example. He had a few too many shots of tequila and spent the rest of the night talking to Huey. You're awfully pale, Charlie. You look like you need to talk to Huey. Talk to Huey on the big white phone means to vomit profusely and at length into a toilet. And then we have the Urban Dictionary, which they say is Spanish slang for dude that may be used as an insult or just a greeting. Get out of here, pinche Huey. P-I-N-C-H-E. I don't know what that means. Spanish word for dude used on the west side. A nickname usually given to someone, male, who is fly with the ladies and a smooth talker. They tend to always have their friends back and always ready to throw down to anyone, for anyone, messing with their homies. An acronym for hookup, for those who can't stand the term hookup, my roommate did a Huey with my ex-girlfriend, made me sick. The act of giving, let's see, rhymes with sled to a man who is positioned upside down in a handstand while tickling his feet as they are above your head. The giggling noises that the recipient makes traditionally sound as if he is repeatedly pronouncing the word Huey in a soft, high-pitched tone. The online slang dictionary says that Huey is another word for cocaine, and, oh, sometimes Huey actually does mean a helicopter, as in the UH-1 Iroquois Huey helicopter, as uh, described on the Army War College website. Nicknamed the Huey after the phonetic sound of its original designation, H-U-1. The UH-1 Iroquois helicopter was the work of the workhorse of the army during the Vietnam War. Helicopter is a military technology evolved during World War II, but took time to develop to meet the army's high hopes for its effectiveness in battle. By the Korean War, early helicopter models such as the ubiquitous OH-13, SU, and the USAF H-19 served as resupply and medical evacuation helicopters. The battle experience of these early aircraft provided lessons learned which aided the development of the UH-1. There you go. All right. Well, we've learned a lot today, but we're not done. After the break, we're going to Huey. Take that however you like.
Okay, so I'm cheating a little bit with this field report. I'm not actually playing anything. Continuing my recent pattern, I'm having technical issues. When I try to play this game, I can fly my Huey, but I can't shoot anything. Even when I'm certain that my guns are on, the upper right hand corner tells you the guns are on. I've got missiles, I can fly, I can go up, down, left, right, and I'm certain that it's me. It's not this demo mode that you're watching. Uh, but I can't fire. I don't know if that's a thing with my joystick. I can do other things with the fire buttons on the joystick, but not uh, fire guns or missiles in the game. So, this field report I'm just doing just to show you what the screen looks like for those of you who haven't seen Super Huey before. I have turned the sound down a bit because it is kind of noisy. Uh, the sounds are good. That opening music is, uh, I think, appropriate for the game. You're looking at the control panel in the cockpit of your Huey. Upper left, you've got ammo and kills. You've got your radar uh, in the middle there. Uh, your gun is on. Your missiles are, are fully loaded at 1,234. Down the left-hand corner, bottom left, there's your fuel gauge, rotors, all sorts of technical blah blah blah. Uh, oh, in your demo here, you just took a hit. Uh, your altitude, your speed on the right, temperature, oil, all of that, took another hit. It's a good looking game for uh, the 80s. Uh, if you're into flight simulators, I could totally see you getting uh, getting into this. The little bit that I was messing with it, trying to do something, your, your opponents are not very interesting. Right? They're just basically helicopters. They don't do a whole lot except get in front of you and shoot you. Ooh, well that was the end of you right there. You know, fake pretend you. That was the Super Huey demo. I'm sure I'll have more thoughts in the episode proper. But for now, this has been me not playing this game. Back to you in the studio. Hey Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Second Duck on the Right and Other Very Short Stories is my new short story collection. Duck con artists, zombies, things on fire, supervillain angst, and a future without poop are just a few of the topics in these stories. Also the occasional really bad poem. Waddle on over to your favorite bookseller or swim downstream to my website, tarnivalofgleecreations.com, for more information. Insert quacking up joke here. Okay, so, as you heard in the field report, once again, I had technical issues. Maybe it's just me. Maybe God Atari hates me. I don't know. But uh, that lessened my uh, fun again this week. Here's the thing about Super Huey for the 7800. Whereas I think Ballblazer is a pretty good game that I just didn't give a fair chance to, Super Huey I don't think is all that great of a game, even though I couldn't really play it. Um, I watched the demos, I looked at stuff online... I just don't think, even as flight simulators go, and to be fair, as I've said, I'm not a big flight simulator guy, 
even as flight simulators go, even for 1988. Because it sounds like this game, for like the Commodore, what, 85, with a keyboard, you might have had something there. But I feel like trying to do it with the joystick, whether it's the CX-40 or the one that comes with 7800 or, or whatever, I, I agree with whatever review it was that said that that created some limitations and that maybe takes some of the fun out of it. But I also feel like, well, your helicopter might be cool, your enemy is not. The enemy is pretty boring. So that's unfortunate. If any of you feel strongly that I'm just totally wrong here, uh, let me know. But I don't think I am. But let me know. But I don't think I am. But let me know. You know what? I'm going to get out of this uh, loop that I'm in. Because it's time for this. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This episode's story is titled Super Huey. When Hollister Little was five, he lived in a little town in a little neighborhood in a little brick house that could have been built with Lego building blocks. At an early age, Hollister picked up the nickname Huey. Most people assume it's because of Donald Duck's nephew, but little Hollister couldn't pick Donald out of a lineup, even if the lineup was four iguanas, one of those hairless cat cats, and Donald. Huey actually got his nickname because before life coaxed the joy out of him, he was an enthusiastic little kid. Huey! He would squeal as a toddler whenever anyone suggested literally anything. Should we have cookies? Huey! Want to go to the park? Huey! Want to watch me disembowel this live rabbit? Huey! Huey lived on a per perfect, if generic, little street that might as well have been made of those flat plastic sheets with road lines painted on them that often came with the Lego building block sets. Many evenings, while watching Cheers or WKRP reruns, not understanding the jokes, but as susceptible to a laugh track as anyone, five-year-old Huey Little built creations out of those building blocks. His houses were multicolored and often had no door, which was fine because there often was no roof either. His airplanes and helicopters were not aerodynamic. His spaceships, well, they had potential, but only if because no one who was willing to admit having seen a real spaceship ever came forward to challenge Huey's designs. And every time Huey made something new, the conversation went like this. Mom, look what I made. I made this. Super, Huey. Then the TV laugh track would fill the void. As he got older, Huey's creative outlets expanded to include finger painting. The dinner table presentation of a canvas full of paint splotches that looked like that night's casserole was met with Super Huey, pass the butter. As he got older, Huey dabbled in oil paints. Super Huey, mind the carpet. Game-winning intramural ice hockey goals. Super Huey, don't drip water on the new carpet. In middle school, Huey got elected to student council. Super Huey, I suppose not everyone can be president. In high school, Huey got elected student body president. Super Huey, of course, like the real president, the real power is in the Congress. But it's important to have a figurehead. When Huey was chosen to give the speech as valedictorian at graduation, Super Huey, so will the ceremony take longer then? When Huey got hired straight out of college to design aircraft, go figure, for the biggest aerospace tech company in the world, his folks were already in town for a camping expo anyway, so they swung by his apartment to say, Super Huey, then headed home to beat rush hour traffic. Huey had dinner by himself that night. 
Huey didn't tell his folks when he botched the design of a high-concept chopper that led to several injuries. Super, Huey, he said to himself, alone in his cubicle long after everyone else went home. When Huey was forced out of the company, he told his folks, I just needed to expand my horizons. An engineering degree is really versatile. Super, Huey, his mom said and passed the Brussels sprouts. Huey went to work designing roundabouts for the city. Everyone, including Huey, hates roundabouts, but everyone, including Huey, enjoys job security and, for some reason, powers higher up than the city engineer love roundabouts. Supposedly cities see less collisions with them. What Huey saw, though, was job security. Super, Huey, eternal job security. Huey. Once the roundabouts were built, there wasn't much to do but the occasional city council appearance to talk about this or that roadway expansion, or the logistics of raising a new bridge that doesn't shear off the tops of semi-trucks as they roll through town. The bridge thing was mildly interesting, but you can't build a bridge to space, can you? At least not yet. Huey was bored. So he started building Legos at home. Satellites, rockets, playsets based on old TV shows, the White House, the Pentagon, Buckingham Palace. All night, every night. And after he completed each set, he'd say, Super, Huey! At some point, Huey decided it wasn't okay for a grown man to sit alone every night building Lego sets. So, he started mixing cocktails to drink while he built. After a sip of a particularly good Manhattan, Huey smacked his lips. Super, Huey! He started building smaller sets in his cubicle at City Hall during lunch hour. But it didn't feel right. He couldn't drink at work. So, Huey started skipping the Legos and drinking at the bar on his lunch hour instead. When Huey fell asleep at yet another city council meeting about yet another roundabout, he got fired. Super, Huey. Huey, though, had the self-awareness to check into rehab. Not many Legos there, but he read a lot of books and surprised himself by enjoying the group therapy sessions. Every time he had a breakthrough, whatever that was, the counselor, a sweaty, bald man in bad turtlenecks, would say, Super, Huey! I feel like we're ready to blast off to real recovery. The counselor seemed to think this was funny. And on the day Huey got out of rehab, clear-eyed but not really able to see what the future held, he went home to his apartment. His dad was waiting for him. Big hug. Super, Huey, he said. And it really was. Finally. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. It would be super if you headed over to Apple Podcasts and left a five-star review of this show. Hoo-wee. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And do check us out over there on the Instagram. You can call too. Jeff did it. You can do it. 563-265-1978. I am waiting to hear from you. Seriously, I'm sitting right by the phone right now. And I really got to pee, so hurry up. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com, for all sorts of stuff. About this show, about my other show, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown. About my books, who knows, by the time you hear this, I may have put up a good recipe for Brussels sprout casserole. I, I don't know. All sorts of stuff. Go check it out. 
and consider supporting the show over there on Patreon.com. Atari Bytes has a page over there. You can become a member. You can possibly get bonus stuff. And you can be like these guys, to whom I am eternally grateful. Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Tortney, M. West, Patrick McCarthy, Jeremy L., Mark Super, and Jim Goble. Thanks to one and all. All right. All that's left is to tell you next time on Atari Bytes. We are actually uh, not going to play a 5200 game on the next episode. Uh, one, I haven't actually messed around with the unit yet. Not that I expect it to be real complicated, but I have not yet. The other reason is I have in my head that I want to play this game because I'm intrigued to see what it is. And I, I, I can't wait, I tell you. So we're going to stick with the 7800 uh, next episode. We'll get back to the 2600 eventually. Don't worry. But we're going to do another 7800 game called Scrapyard Dog. I haven't read anything about it. I don't know if it's a good game, a bad game, somewhere in between. I just, I heard the title. I'm sort of in the back of my mind fixated on this title, and I really want to see what this game is. So we're going to do that next time. I can almost positively assure you the next episode after that will be a 5200 episode. But we'll see. Life is what it is. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.